Welcome to Define Real. My name is Deborah, and I will share personal stories that will make you question reality. My intention is to inspire you and instill curiosity and magic into your life. I have 42 years of stories to share, so let's begin. Today, I will talk about distractions and how I see it's influencing my life mirrored in today's collective experience. Distraction is the primary strategy used by wounded groups controlling what we perceive as reality today. My biological mother used my whole childhood to keep me in a delusion of fear and not tell anyone about the violence I was experiencing from her. It is also what saved me from not being suicidal or addicted to any drugs as a coping mechanism. The good side of growing up with violence is that it gave me a radar where I feel and identify what is happening below the surface of people's actions. When I see the horrific crimes being committed in the world by this little group, I understand precisely what is happening on a deeper level. They are distracting us from freeing ourselves from them by causing havoc in the world and yapping about it incessantly on the so-called media. They keep most of the population hypnotized in fear hopelessness and anger. Suppose you stop and pay attention for a moment and detach yourself from the pain you feel from knowing about the inhuman violence spreading in certain parts of the world. In that case, you see clearly that this is all being done simultaneously to distract us from seeing something much worse. Something that, if all the humans saw the same time, would shift our reality from one moment to another. The pain of the truth would be so severe that it would snap us out of the hypnosis we're being trapped into. The more desperate they feel to hide this truth from us, the more erratic and violent they become. The more crimes they commit, the bigger the indication that their stupid reign of distraction is ending. Because they are all wounded and moved by their unrecognized sickness, their actions always mirror that to us. They're shooting themselves in the foot by perpetuating more violence. They're losing control and it seems they are gaining in through these methods. One of the things my biological mother would do to keep me under control was to never allow me to feel good for very long. Every time I'd be distracted by a butterfly or a little flower I would find sometimes rising in the middle of the concrete, she would make sure to destroy them in front of me, causing me to immediately disconnect from the benevolence of life and come back to the pain, the loneliness, the hopelessness of my existence. That is the action of a very sick, wounded individual, which exemplifies what we are experiencing collectively. Is it essential to see and know exactly what they are doing and follow the train of events unfolding today? Absolutely. We should never deny the reality of our times. But it is vital that when we engage with the facts, we are in a state of mind of detachment, compassion, responsibility, and clear-headedness. For instance, I strongly recommend not to start your day by looking at your phone in your bed. Get out of bed. Take care of yourself first. Get some food if you can and ensure you are grounded and clear before you look at your phone. It's the same principle as when you are in an airplane and they explain about the oxygen masks. Put your mask first. You need oxygen to absorb what you read online. Just by doing that, when you read the news, you'll be able to reflect and feel all the emotions that will come through you, but you won't be clouded by it. After you read, put your phone down. 
breathe deeply, cry if you need to. I cry often when I read the news. And then I recommend you do anything to express your feelings. It can be writing about it, painting, singing, screaming into a pillow, printing a picture of the perpetrators and throwing tomatoes and praying for them to heal. Do anything that needs to be done to move that energy absorbed from the news. This is what they call self-care. You mustn't spend hours of your day swallowing insanity that ultimately has nothing to do with you and everything to do with a group that is losing its grip on our society and throwing a tantrum because of it. Destruction can also be wonderful to bring you back to the other spectrum of our reality that gets shut down because of the pain of the violence we are experiencing together. I've been raised in violence, so I can share with you confidently that spending a little bit of time each day being distracted by your favorite hobbies is a beautiful way to fight against insanity. Listen to music that soothes your heart. Create something to give humans a place to feel safe amid the chaos. Investing your energy in activities that make you feel lighter will help you stand firm with the rest of us long term. They're trying to do to you exactly what my biological mother did to me. Don't let them. For my part, I feel that I have to be responsible in the way I consume the so-called news. I have to be the adult who won't give in to irrational fear and hopelessness over things I have no control over. I pray for everyone involved in this insanity, even the ones perpetrating it. I also ensure I return to where I am and take in the benevolence and beauty of my existence as it unfolds in front of me. I will not be juggled around, tossed like a little puppet by people who are sick beyond repair. I will honor the fact that I am lucky enough to not be on their target yet. And I will help every human being I come in contact with to do the same. I will be the stubborn, disobedient citizen who can see reality as it truly is and not as it is presented to me by some corporation desperately wanting to profit. I had a boyfriend once who had intense psychological issues, which I only recognized years after going through a lot of unnecessary abuse, which woke me up. Have you ever had an experience like this? You feel agonizing pain for an extended period, and something clicks in you. Suddenly, you see things clearly in a way you could not know before you went through that experience. I'm very grateful for him in this sense. If not for him, I would never have understood what I can now share with you and perhaps help you see things differently in response to my story. He was very insecure due to trauma from his adolescence, where he, as expressed to me many times, was not allowed to be with a woman no matter how much he tried and desired that. He went to a technical school where there were only two girls in the entire group and they were not attractive, so he felt intense sexual frustration. This trauma, which was never healed, led him to create a pattern of behavior that was incredibly painful to whoever entered a relationship with him. The pattern that he repeated his whole life, and he was in his mid-40s, was to continually and constantly cheat on his partners with anyone who would give him attention. By behaving this way, he would be ensuring himself from never experiencing what happened in his adolescence again. There would always be someone available for him to be with. And because this wound was festering and deep, he would control his partners, in this case me, with pain. He wasn't physically violent or anything like that. On the contrary, he was very lively and expressive. But all of that was a distraction to bring my experience with him all the way up. 
Then, when he felt that I was having a good time, he would feel insecure and the trauma would be triggered. As a response, he would intentionally and openly cheat on me, bringing me all the way down. <laughs> so I was stuck in a state of pain and confusion. And when I was in this distracted, clouded and painful state, I would not have the energy to go after anyone else or to think about anything else but him. I had no energy to even leave him. In one of our last conversations, when I finally got the courage to end our relationship for good and was feeling clear-headed again and started to gain some of my strength back, he told me super pissed, you look how empowered now, to which I smiled in sorrow for him and said, I know you don't like that, do you? It is crucial to understand that wounded people are unaware of their actions. They are not aware of what they're doing to us. They're not even choosing to act the way they do. They don't feel good about what they're bringing to these situations. They cannot help but act in these wounded ways. It is so difficult to not take it personally, and I know. But I'm more interested in seeing the truth as clearly as possible, no matter how uncomfortable it feels and how much it disrupts what I want to believe. It is so much easier to hate and want to punish and banish them. But the brutal truth is, it is not personal. It is an unrecognized, unhealed sickness manifesting its nature. And we should never give up our own clarity of mind and our best judgment of any situation to people perpetrating their sickness in the world. It is challenging work. Some people call me an idealist when I tell them about this. However, committing to it daily, even just a little bit, makes it easier. That is the only way to stop these crimes from continuing. We will shift the violence in our reality by exiting these narratives in our personal lives and observing what is being done in the world with clear-headedness and compassion. It might take some time, maybe more than expected, but it will change. I always remind myself that even if I don't reap the rewards of my efforts, at least the next generations will. And I will ensure that my passage through this inspiring, kind, and sometimes confusing planet is marked by healing, not more wounding. If you reflect just a little bit on the facts that have been coming to the surface over the last few years, everything will make sense to you. The world knows about Epstein, and more and more information is being opened to the public. We still want that list of clients, no matter how many people they are killing, to distract us from wanting that. The world knows about the church's involvement with the same theme, and the human proclaimed as their leader's lame attempt at redemption. They must stop killing people and show us the pieces of evidence they are hiding. Even if everyone is too confused to understand what is real and what isn't because of their non-stop fear-mongering, we still want everything out in the open. They forgot they are not the owner of us. They work for us. Let us decide. Isn't it interesting that after we go through a pandemic that is now being investigated more profoundly and specific facts that go against the narratives we've been shoved down our throats are coming to light, war starts. Economic upheaval and disruptions were about to skyrocket and suddenly all of this information got pushed to the background and nobody's talking about it anymore because war is much more potent for hypnotic distraction. They are trying to distract us by committing these atrocities against humanity. Let's watch them, but let's not forget everything else. Let's not succumb to the fear they're trying to blindfold us with these wars. I hope you join me in keeping the light of reason and the compassion in your heart very well lit 
as we watch them carve their own sad graves. This is not the end for humanity. It is a new beginning. It's the end for them, and they know it. Thanks for hanging out with me today. I hope you enjoyed this episode and took away some food for your soul. Don't forget to subscribe, share with your friends, and stick around for the next one. Until then, stay curious, keep your mind open, and your heart soft.